G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. The series is dedicated to helping people know and apply God's Word into their lives, because we have a, pardon the pun, rock-solid conviction that when you know and apply God's Word, you are building your life on a sure foundation, and by building your life on the rock, you can and you will withstand all of life's storms. So we are in the final program. Actually, there's two more, this one, and then the next one, which is a summary of this wonderful Gospel of John. I call this lesson the Grand Finale, and it's based on John chapter 21, verses 18 to 25. John 21, 18 to 25. These are the last words of Jesus recorded in John's Gospel. We have Jesus making a prophecy about what's going to happen to Peter at the end of his life. We also have John anonymously focused upon in these final verses. And then we have the wrap-up, where John makes some, well, shall we say, summary statements about what he tried to accomplish in the writing of this gospel. Our understanding is that John was an older man when he wrote this gospel. He didn't do it straight after the time of Jesus. He did it down the track. He may have written some things earlier, and then it culminated in the gospel that bears his name, But what we know is he had a lifetime of ministry and of loving Jesus to put together this masterful, God-ordained, God-inspired document we call the Gospel of John. We believe it's not just something John wrote. We believe it is from the Holy Spirit. It is God's Word. And as we learn in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired and all Scripture is is profitable. And that includes John's gospel. And so, let me read a couple of verses here out of this whole series. Verse 21, and Peter is referring to John. Peter seeing him, that's John, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? That's the question. What will he do? Meaning John. Jesus saith to him, if I will that he tarry till I come, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. All right, so what is happening here? Peter has just been told what will happen in his own life, 
And now he turns and looks at John. And remember that John was one of the three disciples that were part of Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Now, of interest, James and John were the sons of Zebedee, who had a fishing company on the Sea of Galilee. Peter also was with his brother Andrew, but somehow Andrew doesn't make it into the inner three. The two sons of Zebedee do, and Peter does. So I find it interesting that Peter refers to John not by his name, but just calls him this man, almost as if he hardly knew who he was. Or that could have been John's way of simply trying to stay anonymous without ever having his name mentioned. Therefore, Jesus makes an interesting statement. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What is he saying here? Well, what we're going to learn is that comparison is carnal. People do it all the time, even as Christians, comparing where they are in life with somebody else. And we always seem to think we're on the wrong side of the fence or on the wrong side of the railroad track. Don't do that. God has a pathway for each of us in his kingdom. And the best thing you can do is don't look at what this person is doing on their track or that person is doing on the other track. It's like being a runner in a race. You have your own track. Stay in your track. No winner keeps focusing on what the other runners are doing. They only focus on one thing. They focus on running as fast as they can on the track that's been given them so that they can win the prize. It applies in sport. It applies even more in the Christian life. Now we're going to read John chapter 21, verses 18 to 25. Our lesson is called The Grand Finale, based on John 21, 18 to 25. This is God's Word. And it starts out with a quote from Jesus. And by the way, the context, he has just asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Peter said three times, You know I love you, Lord. And now, this is Jesus' response after the third time. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, He saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself 
could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. All right, well, these are the last words of the Gospel of John. And blessed is everyone who hears and does what it says. So let's begin with an introduction. John 21.18, where Jesus is basically telling Peter what's going to happen to him at the end of his life. He had just appeared for the third time to his disciples after the resurrection. He offered them wonderfully successful fishing advice, and when they came to the shore with a huge cache of fish, he offered them breakfast on the beach. Then Jesus restored Peter into fellowship and ministry. He did it by asking him three times if Peter loved him. Peter replies in the affirmative each time. The threefold questioning was probably, as I've shared, to counter the three times Peter denied Jesus on the evening of the Passion. From here, Jesus makes a prophetic statement about Peter's destiny. This is what he's saying to him in full. When you were a young guy, you dressed yourself and you went and walked wherever you wanted. That's fairly true of most of us. However, when you are old, you will stretch forth your hands, another shall dress you, and take you where you do not want to go. How much of that do we understand? Well, probably not a whole lot. We understand the first part, which speaks about when Peter was young, he dressed the way he wanted, and he went where he wanted. But when he gets older, and he stretches forth his hands, that's a key phrase, by the way, somebody else will dress him and carry him where he doesn't want to go. Do you think you understand what's being said here? Well, there is an explanation in verse 19, the very next verse. Jesus confirms a couple of things in his statement. First of all, apparently Peter would live to be an older man, because he says, and when you are old. The second thing is that basically what Jesus is saying, Peter would die a martyr's death, because he uses the phrase, the death whereby he would glorify God. That's really what martyrs' death do. Even though the person dies for their faith, at the same time, it brings glory to God. For, as one commentator put it, it is a blessing to die for the Lord. Indeed, there is. There is a martyr's crown. And as Tertullian, the ancient church father, once put it, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Somehow, the more persecution there is, the more the church actually grows. You would think it'd be the other way around if there's so much pressure and hatred and suffering and even death to the church, people wouldn't sign up. But it's always been the opposite. And it started with Jesus himself. His death on the cross should have been the end of everything, especially the end of the Jesus movement. But instead of being the end of the Jesus movement, his death on the cross was the beginning of this marvelous living thing called the Christian church. Amazing. And of course, church history records that Peter did die a martyr's death, at least tradition tells us, and that Peter was crucified like Jesus. But unlike Jesus, he was crucified upside down, since he did not feel worthy to die in the same position 
that Jesus, in any case, Jesus rounds off his prophetic message or statement with two simple words, follow me. And can I just say that for all of us, discipleship begins with confession of faith, well, actually, repentance and confession of faith, and then a willingness to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. In Luke 9.23, it actually says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow Jesus. This is not a one-off. This is a continual consecration. And of course, this message flies in the face of our current culture and of human nature, because the current culture believes in self, self-indulgence, self-love or narcissism, self-focus, and so on and so forth. But as I often share, self-focused people are really the most miserable of people, and the selfless, dedicated people, particularly those in Christ, are the most joyful people around. Jesus is telling Peter and all of us to follow him. There is a dying to self, even if you live a long life and die of natural causes, there is a dying to self that happens in the walk of discipleship. But take it from me, friends. You will never be fulfilled, satisfied, joyful, peaceful, brimful and overflowing in God's love living an abundant, adventurous life, and all the things the Bible promises the believer until you take those steps of consecration, self-denial, cross-bearing, and following Jesus. Far from being miserable because you did these things, you will be the most blessed person around. That's why we are to follow him. Verse 20 of John 21, Peter sees John. He then turns around and sees the disciple who Jesus loved following. And then the same disciple was the one who had leaned on Jesus' chest during the Last Supper and asked which of the twelve would betray Jesus. Peter is curious about what lies ahead for John, the beloved disciple. And probably a little bit, well, okay, all right, if I go down this pathway and it leads to martyrdom, what about this guy? What's going to happen to him? He seems to have a lot of favor and anointing on his life. What do we make of it all? And then Peter then actually asked the question forthright in John twenty-one twenty-one. After looking at John, Peter turns to Jesus and says simply, and what shall this man do? Interesting question, but let's be honest. Is it any of Peter's business? And Jesus is more or less telling him, no, it's not. In John 21, 22, if I want this man, John the Beloved, to be remaining on this planet until I return, what is that to you? You are to follow me. In other words, your only focus is to put your eyes on me and to put it on the full. Or let's take the words out of Hebrews chapter 12, saying, that we are to put aside every weight and the sin that does easily beset and run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus. And again, please allow me to use the analogy, the runner in the race should only focus on their own track, 
not on everybody else's. Because you'll never win a race when you keep looking to the left and keep looking to the right to see what everybody else is doing. Don't focus on what others are doing. Let your focus, your single-minded devotion, be on what you should be doing and stay on track. A rumor, verse 23. Peter started a saying among the brethren. It's interesting that phrase is used because they are family now due to the new birth and their oneness in Christ. And the rumor was that John would not die. I guess they expected Jesus to come back in their lifetime. And John would still be around when Jesus returned. And as it turns out, John did live a very long life. But as it says here, Jesus never said he wouldn't die. The fact is that Jesus not only affirmed, or shall we say never stated that John would die, all he said is, and this is the key word, if I want John to remain till I return, what is that to you? Is that really your business? Your biggest focus should be to do my will and to follow my lead. Then there's a couple of very important statements. Verse 24 of John 21. Without naming himself, John speaks about being the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things down. He is the human author of the gospel which bears his name. And by now, and any of you who have followed me should agree with this, that basically his credibility has been firmly established. He can confidently say at the end of this verse, we know that his testimony is true. Or let me put it another way. We know that my testimony that I have written down in this gospel is true. And then a most remarkable statement, the very last verse in John's gospel. He says, and it's an understandable thing, Jesus of Nazareth, Messiah, Son of God, did many other things that were not written or recorded in this book, because if everything was written down, the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And on that note, John concludes the Gospel of John with this word, Amen. So be it. Friends, this is the end of the commentary, but we do have one more lesson based on John. And that lesson is a summary of everything we've learned, or many things. So join with me then. But remember that our lesson here is entitled The Grand Finale, and our lesson for life is this. Comparison is carnal, so don't worry about what track God is putting others, but simply run on the track He's given you, and keep your eyes on Jesus, the prize. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.